This particular year marks 400 years since the Pilgrims landed in New England and established a settlement called Plymouth Colony at the time. Now, the Pilgrims were looking for religious freedom after persecution in, in Europe. It's 400 years later, so why is this historic event so heavy on your heart, Pastor Conlon? Well, there's a story that I'd like to tell, and I think it would help our listeners to understand why I believe this particular prayer meeting is called of God. Um, it began in August 2019. My wife and I were heading back from eastern Canada where we'd been on vacation. And during our vacation, she'd been reading a, a book called The Mayflower. And she asked me, she said, can we stop in Plymouth on the way home? And can we, I just would like to see this, this stone called Plymouth Rock where it, it's purported that they first, uh, the pilgrims who landed in 1620, they, they first set foot on this particular rock. And I said, sure, sure, let's let's go and have a look at it. So we 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 took a side detour and we went to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and there's a there's a, a, a hill with a bench overlooking the colonnade that houses this 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 particular stone. And we were sitting there just looking at it and suddenly I heard somebody call my name. They said, Pastor Carter, is that you? And I said, Yes and uh this young lady and uh, her husband and uh, were walking their dogs, and she said, uh, well, my mom and my dad and my husband and I and four other people have been joining you for the last two years in your worldwide permitting in New York City that you do through Times Square Church. And I said, oh, that's, that's very nice. And she said, would, would you like to come? My mom and dad own the house on the corner. Would you like to come and see it? It was built in 1790. And I initially declined. I said, uh, it was very nice of you to ask, but I, we're, we're busy. We're on our way home. And, but my wife is a, is a history buff. So she, she, it was an older house, and she said, I'd, I'd like to see it. So we, we took the 30-yard journey over to this house to find out that there was a story behind it. The, the man who and his wife who now own it, he was a construction company owner. And about two years before, the Lord spoke to him in prayer to sell his business go to Plymouth and buy this house and wait. So he obeyed God, and he did that. And for the previous two years, he had been praying with us on Tuesday night and just waiting for the reason why that he felt that God had him buy this house. And so I walked in the door of this house, and there was, Richard, there was an undeniable presence of God there. I couldn't explain it. And I found out the history that this house was built on the very foundation of the very first house built in America, in this part of America in 1620. It's the house where the 51 or the, the 100 uh, by 100 square foot uh, foundation, where the 51 by uh, the surviving pilgrims after year one gathered together. They were weak. They were emaciated. They had no specific plan. They were surrounded by enemies. All they had really was a promise from God that they were being taken to a nation where they could worship freely without dictates from the top down and according to conscience. So here we are in this house 400 years later, and uh, we, I just said to the folks, I said, can, can we just pray? And as we began to pray, my heart was so deeply stirred, and I didn't understand why. So that night we went back to our hotel, and I, I couldn't sleep. And in the middle of the night, I started to pray, and I said, God, you, you led me to that house. 
this man prayed that he might meet me, and you led me to within 30 yards of his house, and, and you led him to buy that house. And what is the reason behind this? And, and what are you trying to speak to us? And that's when he led me to Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 6 and 7. I'll try to make this very quick for you. But in chapter 6, Solomon is dedicating the temple, which is the signified the presence of God, the protection of God, the, the, the purpose, in a sense, that God was going to dwell among a certain people, and they were going to bring praise to his name in the earth and such like. And, and so as Solomon is dedicating this temple, he prayed a prayer, and he said, God, if, if, if your people are taken captive, whether, in, whether it's in a place close to here or far from here, and and in their captivity, they come to themselves and they say, what have we done? And and how do we let ourselves get to this place? And they look back towards this temple, this this place where you made us a promise as a nation. And they begin to pray. He said, Lord, hear their prayer and have mercy on your people and bring them home again. And then in chapter 7, Solomon goes home. And in chapter 7, assumedly possibly the same night, in the middle of the night, the Lord appears to Solomon, and he said, Solomon, I've heard your prayer. And he said, and that's where the famous verse, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, comes in. He said, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And he said, now my eyes will be open and my ears will be listening to the prayer that is prayed in this place, and my heart will be there perpetually. That's a phenomenal statement. Even if you even if you drift far away from me, says my heart will be in this place where I made the promise to you to be your God, as you promised to be a people who would walk with me. And I will wait for you to come back there, even just in your heart, and I will answer your prayer. And that's when the Lord spoke to me and said, I have brought you to the place where America spiritually began. And I want you, on this date, October the 6th, which turns out to be one month uh, literally before our election, I want you to ask for forgiveness for what America, what you have done with 400 years of freedom that I gave to you. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to be specific. I want you to name the sins of the nation. Do not be generic in your names. Name the sins of the nation. And from there, have people from different persuasions in life, from senators to single moms, pray and ask for the, my blessing again for a moment of spiritual awakening in America. So, Richard, what makes this, in my opinion, different than a typical prayer meeting is that God called this prayer meeting, not man. And so it makes it a significant event, in my opinion. That is a fascinating story. Thanks for, for sharing it. That's great. Now, this prayer meeting that will take place will be online, and you will be in uh, in Plymouth Colony yourself, maybe at that house. Is that where it's going to be? In the house, and um, praying from that house. And we'll have a, a tent set up outside for, for various uh, people who are, are going to come in and uh, and pray for things from uh, rededicating our government to God to praying for our schools, our children, our families, uh, for single parents. We'll be, uh, there'll be a uniformed policeman there, be praying for a restoration and respect for law and order in the country. There'll be those praying for reconciliation uh, between races. 
And we're just asking God to do what only God can do in, in, in obedience to him. I, it's, it's almost like we're, Richard, we're right back where they started. We're, we don't really have a go-forward plan. I think most everybody realizes this is a do-or-die moment for this country. And we, we stand to lose everything that God gave us as a nation from a, a Judeo-Christian perspective. And this is a moment where we're just coming before him and saying, here we are 400 years later, and God, we're asking you for mercy for, for, for what we did with our freedom. Do you believe that uh, some of the struggles that are taking place today, the, the unrest, the pandemic, the economy, have a, a spiritual component to it then? Oh, totally. Uh, totally. I, I think uh, in God's mercy— he will do what he has to do to get a hold of us. I mean, I have often said here in the church in New York, it's better to go to heaven hungry than hell full. You know, and he, he will do what he has to do to get our attention. And, and you know, I want to I want to talk about, for example, one of the, uh, the the founding sins of America, if I may call it that, is that, you know, God granted the prayer of these people and he, he gave us a nation which has been free and it was the literally as became the envy of the world but one not the first but one of the first things that we did as a as a country is god gave us freedom and then we took a whole race of people and took away their freedom and made them slaves in this nation of course the wounds of that are are part of the reason why we've got such you know difficulty in our cities even today i mean this is a wound that goes so deep that i think that only god can heal it and and the worst part of it, Richard, is that we, in some parts of the country, we did this in the name of God. I mean, you talk about a blatantly ignorant sin. I mean, to, it's bad enough taking people and making them slaves, but we're doing it in God's name. Now, for example, I, I was reading the biography of Frederick Douglass, and he talked about being a four-year-old boy and uh, the plantation owner came home, a white man, and he talked about this great revival that was happening in uh, in their town and how the Holy Spirit was touching so many people in their church. And he would gather the people together at night and the, 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 those that were slaves and tell them about this wonderful thing that God was doing. And then Frederick watches this man almost beat his mother to death because she forgot to do some little task. I think it was buying flour or something like that during the day. And as a four-year-old boy, he just curled up in the corner and he said to himself, whoever this man's God is can't be God. Now, now, thankfully, he changed, his heart changed on that in the future, and he became, you know, not only a, a follower of Christ, but an avid uh, uh, abolitionist. So um, this is a great sin in, in my estimation. And of course, we're bearing the, uh, the scars of it even today. And, and I believe that only God, only God, the, the wounds are so deep now that only God can bring healing to this nation now. You mentioned the word revival. Uh, a lot of Christians uh, have been praying for revival, people coming to Jesus, coming back to Jesus. Is it a possibility that we could see revival uh, in our time soon? Well, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, here, here's another case in point. In, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, there's a chapter in Ezekiel where God speaks to Ezekiel about the state of the nation. And he talks about, like, from the top to the bottom, the whole of the society had become corrupt. There was violence. There were the lies that become the order of the day. People are, are, are leading and preaching for bribes. I mean, it, it's just despicable from the top to the bottom. But then God says something amazing to Ezekiel. And he said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the heads that I should not have to judge the nation. But I found no one. 
Now, I, I think that through for a moment. This is the most religious nation on the face of the earth at this time. And yet God has determined to send a moment of mercy to the nation and can't find anybody that agrees with him. I mean, that's almost unfathomable to me. He's just, he's already decided to show mercy. And I, I feel in my heart, that's what we're facing. Some very dark days definitely are ahead for this whole world. I get that. I know the Bible. I know, I know how the story ends. But the reality is, I think we're living in a moment where, where the Lord God himself says, I'm, I'm willing to show a moment of mercy to this nation if people, anybody, is simply willing to meet with me and agree that I, that I can. And that's, that's what this meeting is really all about. Let's get specific then about the meeting, the, the date, how people can, can join in regardless of, of where they live. It's October the 6th. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's Times Square Church's regular worldwide. We have a worldwide prayer meeting now, an interactive prayer meeting that's in 209 countries on Tuesday night. So it, it's that meeting, but it will be broadcast from this house in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So it's 7 p.m. Eastern Time to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. People can access it by going to It's Time to Pray, lowercase, all one word, It's Time to Pray.org. Or they can go to our website, TSC, as in Times Square Church, dot NYC, as in New York City, TSC, dot NYC. And they can come in, and there's all the information is there, uh, how they can. Now, the, the, the prayer meeting is live. It's interactive, which means that you can text in, you can email in, you can share comments, you can. Uh, you can share prayer requests, and there will be people joining us from at least 209 countries throughout the world, as well as coast to coast here in the United States. And uh, we're just going to believe God for a miracle moment. All right. Pastor Conlon, I appreciate your, your sharing your heart with us and uh, how people can, can take part. Well, thank you, Richard. I, I, I surely appreciate this moment.